0: about chicken a la king mango and
1: garbanzo tabbouleh potatoes and vegetables with roasted garlic and basil zucchini ziti granola fruit bar look at all this beautiful food Hello, I'm Danny Dude, and welcome to Green Eggs and Dan. Like many of you, I'm stuck at home during this pandemic, eating and drinking my face off. And so are most of my guests. So that leaves me with a laptop from 2012. Um, all right, let me know when you're ready to start. My own mic and me alone in a room, hoping my guests are able to record their half of the conversation. Here, let me let me get to a more
0: quiet place.
1: So, bear with us. Look at all these Welcome to Green Eggs and Dan. My guest today is a singer, songwriter, and Grammy Award-winning producer who's worked with Adele, Taylor Swift, Beyonce, Ed Sheeran, U2, and so many more, not to mention his own incredible band, One Republic. You can see him on the NBC show Songland, and now he's branching out into the beverage world with Mad Tasty. Please welcome Ryan Tedder. Ryan, what's up?
0: Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me.
1: Good, good. Thanks for being here. I, you know, you're the first person on the podcast who is in the music uh, industry. We haven't had any musicians yet. Oh, which, yeah, I'm excited about because you guys live uh, an exceptionally pretty crazy life in terms of travel and egos and people and all that stuff. So I'm, I'm yes, very, we do. I'm very curious how how food plays a factor in that in that wacky world.
0: Well, I'm a I'm a total foodie, and before I was, um, in the beverage space. I mean, my first investment back in 2009, after we bought our first house, um, the first check I wrote was for a a restaurant, a buddy that was had a successful restaurant in Denver. That was my favorite restaurant in Denver and was arguably one of the most successful. He was venturing out to start opening up different restaurants. And I, I literally, uh, I think the first time I ate at his restaurant, I asked to speak to the chef and I just kind of brazenly said, Hey, if you ever open another restaurant, man, like, and you need anybody else to like help underwrite it, um, I'll invest because this is, this is as good as anything I've had in New York or LA. And, uh, and so, yeah, we, I then ended up investing in the, I think five additional restaurants that that guy, uh, opened up and and then invested in a couple of restaurants in New York. I'm still an owner of a pizza place up in, Upper East Side and, oh, wow. um, yeah, man, I'm I'm I've uh, I've gotten lucky in the food world. I mean, it's the, it's a bad time for food right now, obviously for restaurants. But I I just bet on bet on the talent, bet on the chefs, and um, pretty much my favorite thing to do other than make music is cook. I cook, you know, like like oh my god, you know, there's the first two months of COVID. I think I cooked pretty much every day for like sixty days.
1: Get out of here. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, that's my that's my jam, man. Chefs, chefs are my friends. A lot of my a lot of my friends over the years are, are, uh, are you know, are chefs, so it's, it's definitely in my, my wheelhouse.
1: You know, I feel a kindred spirit to chefs as well, because they don't get as much credit. Uh, well, I guess lately they do. You have rock yeah. star chefs and stuff like that, but you know, as performers, I feel like we're used to getting on stage, performing, we get the instant gratification. Whereas chefs are kind of behind the scenes, they they rarely get the diners to come in and be like, "Hey, man, that was great." You know, they just come in, they leave, they never really interact with the chef. Um, For sure. Which I guess you know your career is kind of interesting because you're you're uh, you know behind the camera and in front of the camera. Um, yeah. Or I guess behind the <laughs> microphone and in front of the microphone. I don't know how you guys say it in the music well, industry.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm on TV as well. You know, my yeah. my show my show on NBC. I'm both producing behind the camera and on the camera and. You know, my, my behind the behind the curtain and in front of the curtain would be the musical term.
1: Yeah. So what I'm always interested about by this because what do you enjoy more? Do you is there something that you lose by writing for someone? Because uh, you're not necessarily you're getting the credit obviously, and you and you know you get you get the, the cashish, but yeah, you don't get the actual applause and stuff like does that does um, that bother you at all or your your well, ego look, is, is in check
0: <laughs> if, if I would my ego's in check um I never had an issue with that I, I I've enjoyed a pretty consistent modicum of anonymity and the anonymity is worth its weight in gold man just ask Michael Jordan and ask Justin Timberlake and ask uh you know the Jenners or whatever like you can't if you can't if every decision when you leave your house, you have that anxiety running in your veins of, am I going <clears> to <throat> get stopped? Am I going to get spotted? Am I going to get papped or chased? You know, yeah, I get to benefit, obviously, you know, financially of writing those songs. I mean, I don't have any regrets as far as th- that's concerned, giving away songs or anything like that.
1: Interesting. So you say uh, that you've been cooking a ton in quarantine And, uh, we are going to put your fridge on blast right now. I've got pictures of your fridge right now, uh, in front of me. Uh, you guys can see the fridge, uh, on my Instagram at standupdan. So there's, there, this does not look like a chef's fridge, Ryan. I'm sorry to put you on blast, but this looks like a, like a, like someone who's way too busy.
0: (laughs) Well, that, that is my studio fridge. So my, (laughs) my, yeah, when they asked for a photo, that's the only photo I had. My, my I, my recording studio, which is a house that we converted into a studio. And then my house, my house is a, definitely a chef's fridge. It's like fresh produce from the farmer's market and cheese, all kinds of cheeses and every kind of like a bunch of like, uh, you know, Korean, um, spices. I like to make Korean food and a, a bunch of different,
1: you got the like, gochuchang, right?
0: I got the gochuchang. Yeah. I make, I make Roy Choi's, um, Roy Choi's a good friend of mine, uh, from Kogi and I make, I make his fried rice dish a lot. Um, and I make, you know, David Chang's another friend. I make some of his stuff. I, yeah, I'm a, lately I go in waves, but like I'm a big, I'm either making homemade pasta lately. I make homemade pasta and all kinds of pasta dishes, whether it's homemade ravioli, homemade, you know, uh, angel hair and, um, or, or I'm making some kind of stir fry and I'm a really big, like probably like my, my showstopper dish is my iteration of of kimchi fried rice with like pork belly or bacon and that's mm. my like that's my show and i make it and i make fresh salsa verde with roasted tomatillos and like green onions and charred green onions and like you know it's i take roy choi's recipe but then i like amend it i add my own kind of spin to it and it's it's just so so good it's why it's one of the best dishes in the world korean food Korean food is low-key, maybe, the tastiest food in the world.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I think they have such an interesting food culture because it's got, like, it's got a lot of refinement and funk at the same time. Yes. Um, you know, it's not all refinement or all funk. It's, like, a perfect kind of mix of the two. They have a lot of I agree fermented flavors, but they also have, like... A lot of very clean. I hate, I hate when people describe food as clean, but I'm going to. But they have a lot of like clean flavors uh, that are kind of minimalist as well. Uh, have you ever been yes. to Korea?
0: I have. Yeah. I've actually, we played South Korea. Uh, we toured there probably 18 months ago. We played Seoul.
1: Did you get to, to uh, go out and experience the food oh, culture? Of course. At
0: all? Really? Yeah. We went to, and I can't pronounce the name of it, but we went to, the night I got there, I went to the most famous Korean barbecue spot in Seoul two Michelin star open till three in the morning. And it was so damn good that the next day I I made the whole band go. Cause I was starving when we landed. I just went straight to that place. The next day I made the whole band come back for dinner. And I think they would, they would credit it as being top three meals of all time. And we've eaten, I mean, one Republic we're, we're all like Anthony Bourdaining our asses off. When we go on tour, we hit, uh, we go down the Michelin guide top 10 in the world. Like we've, we've checked off most of them on tour, and and we'll do that in in a one year period. We'll check off a lot of those. But then we also go to like the street food. We just played uh, Thailand and um, we went to Phuket for a few days. We crushed Phuket. We crushed Bangkok. You know, we found the little food stall that um, is credited as being the, the one food hawker that introduced pad thai to Thailand. Because pad thai is only, it was invented in the 50s right after World War II, all Southeast Asia. The economy was pretty cratered, not just Japan. And the prime minister of, um, or King, I forget which which it was, of Thailand, put out a challenge in the media to take um, local food. It was like the local food challenge for like a year. Stop importing foreign. It was to boost their economy. No more importing foreign foods. Because Thailand at that time was was way more like diluted in terms of their food culture. Mm. They were eating a lot of just just all over Asia. Like you couldn't distinguish Thai food from Singaporean, from Chinese. They said, no, 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 no. Starting now, we're using Thai farmers, Thai produce, Thai dishes. And I want, I want all of you to come together to try and try and create the Thai national dish. Let's have a competition. And wow. this food hawker ended up creating, and it was cheap. It was work workers' food, right? And mm-hmm. local produce only. And pad Thai was what came out of it. That was the the dish that became the national dish as a result of the the challenge that the prime minister of or King of Thailand had, uh, had, um, broadcasted. And that's, that's how we have pad Thai, which is a crazy story that I didn't know till till I was there last time.
1: That's fascinating. I didn't know that either. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, it's using every, everything in that dish is things that you can find within like 10 miles of, of wherever you are in, in Thailand.
1: It's like, get me some peanuts, some rice noodles and some, uh, you got it. Fish, cilantro.
0: <laughs> yeah. fish sauce, cilantro, shrimp, you know, go.
1: Yeah. I, you know, it's funny cause I, we in America, we look at pad thai as like the basic, you know, the basic B dish that like we all order, but we all, you know, pretend like we're going to order something else. But I, man, that, that dish hits the spot every single time, you know, it just never, it, really does. it never fails.
0: It really does. I would say pad thai, good, bad pad. Now I've had bad pad thai. If it's too fishy or too bland, it's really, really bad, but most pad thai is good. And like a couple squeezes of a lime,
1: Mm.
0: Cure, you know um forgives a lot of sins with almost any dish and when hitting that dish with lime something opens up the whole dish it's like changes everything yeah and yeah. um the other the other thai dish that's noodle based that's it's become i like cashew chicken everybody likes cashew chicken but like um i love pad siu um yeah. the broad noodles with the the dark sauce i think that's one of the best tasting dishes on
1: earth Patsy you is like the, she's like, she's like the, the bridesmaid. The everyone, she's all, Correct. you know, she's, she's the unsung the bridesmaid, but she's, a lot of times she's, she's deeper than the bride and she's yeah. more interesting than the bride, but you know. That's true. She's That's never true. gonna. And
0: <laughs> she's never gonna over, I think a lot of people don't order it because they can't pronounce it. and Right. And, but once you discover Patsy U, you go, oh, this, this is, this is like maybe a competitor to Pad Thai. um It's a, <laughs> definitely, you know, not as light. And then, and then, um, my go-to when I was like, when I'm trying to like eat lean or like lose weight, but still have flavor is, uh, I'll just, I went on like probably, Oh my God. Like I want to say like six or seven years, my go-to for lunch five days a week was chicken satay because Mm. I do chicken satay and like a fresh, like, uh, like cucumber roll or something like a fresh, like, like vegetable spring roll. And it's just so lean. You're just like lean protein and like vegetables fresh vegetables but it's still got so much flavor because the peanuts sauce you know it's yeah. just good. I'm, pro- I'm probably gonna order pat i'm probably ordering thai food for lunch after this conversation It'll i love probably
1: have you know i think we that's probably the most ordered dish after after recording an episode because we inevitably get into thai food because we're in la and yep. we're surrounded by such great thai food There is something about Thai food that, I don't know, man, it's like, it's got like a, it's got almost like, and I mean this in the best possible way, it's got like a fast food vibe, like it gives you the pleasure that you get from eating fast food, but with being all natural, like it's got, it, you know, it's like, you know how fast food just has all these scientists who are like, well, what in your brain is going to get ticked off the most by, you know, by this dish? I think the Thai people did it without scientists. They were like, oh, we can... They did. Because they do the sweet, the sour, the, the yeah. bitter, the this, the, like they just, they nail it. And,
0: and the funny. fish sauce is the umami. The, the umami is what keeps you coming back. That's why Chinese food, you can't stop eating it, you know, whether it's MSG or umami and why you can just keep pounding sushi there's certain things parmesan is umami you know what i mean mm-hmm. like when you have a pasta dish that has two cups of parmesan parmesan in it you're like why can't i stop eating this pasta that parmesan is just keeping you going it's that umami flavor and i think thai food coalesces in that without trying um yeah. and i think that uh, fast food chains nailed it but they they i don't know that they were chasing umami i think they were chasing the perfect combo of sweet salty savory right
1: yeah and yeah.
0: like i had i did something i haven't done and when i say in in ten years, I haven't done this, at least a decade, if not longer. At least the other day, I'm driving around Hollywood, and I'm like, I had one of those days where it's like, I try to be healthy and stay thin as much as possible, and I work out and all that stuff.
1: I hear, um, I hear, I hear McDonald's making its way into the conversation. I, and
0: that's believe it or not, that's not where I went, but it's pretty okay. close. I was like driving around, and I was like, I was like driving around Hollywood because I was. I was. What happens sometimes if I get on a call in my car, I'll just start driving aimlessly and like not. And before I knew it, I was at, like, La Brea and Highland. And I'm like, what the hell am I – or, sorry, La Brea and, and, um, and Sunset. And I was like, what am I doing? At La, like, why am I here? I didn't even realize I was there. And I was at that point in the afternoon where it's like I had a late breakfast, but I, it was too late for lunch. But I, and I, I hate ruining my dinner because, like, it pisses my wife off if I'm like, you know, we eat together. And it's, she's like, why would you eat at 4 o'clock when dinner is at 6.30? <laughs> right. And um, it was, like, 3 and I was starving. I was like, I'm not going to make it. I was like, "If I, should I do a coffee? Like, how can I make it to dinner? And I passed a Burger King and I was like, screw it, screw it, man. And also it's so <laughs> annoying now with, with coronavirus, just the masks and walking in and the whole process and the people and everyone staring at you, like, don't get me sick. And I was like, I'm going to yeah. go through a drive-thru. I pulled into a Burger King. I have not had Burger King in 10 years, if not longer. Right. I pull in and I go to the menu and I am a, I'm a closet calorie counter, if I, if I'm like trying to be healthy, because frankly, that's how I got the one time I ever got overweight, uh, in my like mid twenties for like a year, I just put on 20 something pounds because I didn't know what calories were in anything. So I was just Hmm. like eating whatever, whenever I wasn't like eating a lot, I was just eating all the wrong things. And I started paying attention to calories. I remember I was crushing like Wahoo's fish tacos or something. And I remember thinking, oh, they're fish tacos. They got to be healthy. And then one day I googled the calories. There's like, thirteen hundred calories. I was like, "What am I doing, man? I'm like eating a burrito every time I do this." Right. So I started paying attention to, to like the light menus and stuff like that. And I pulled in the Burger King, and the only thing on the menu under four hundred calories was a single Whopper, the, but the Junior Whopper. Hmm. And I haven't had a Whopper. If I haven't been to Burger King in ten years, I haven't had a Whopper in fifteen years. Right. Okay. So I order I order a Junior Whopper, and yeah it is incredible <laughs> it is am- <laughs> it is so good and and i and i was reminded oh yeah that's that's why they're burger king like this thing and as i'm eating it i was think, checking all the boxes in my mind i'm going this is umami this is savory sweet crispy hot cold it's every texture it's every flavor it's it's every it sh- and the ketchup gives you the sugar and the umami and i was like yeah I was, like, processing it as I was eating it, going, why is this so delicious? Why, why do I want two more of these? And I'm yeah. like, oh, that's what it
1: is. It's umami. Well, you know, it's also probably because you were having a junior Whopper. You were like, I need... <laughs> next time I'm getting a big boy Whopper.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's, that's honestly... The, the, I realized that in the absence of anything else, if you don't have it, you can't eat it. And that was... My, everyone has their, their trick to stay. Because I'm a fat kid trapped in a skinny guy's body.
1: Yeah, The uh, The
0: only way I was over to overcome... Uh, being uh, like totally obese was I just determined if I don't have it, uh, a like for it took me years to start eating half of the especially when I lived in the Midwest. I'd order a meal, I'd eat half of it, mm. and then I would literally dump water on this on the other half.
1: Oh, you did the water. People move. me do it all the time. I feel like that's so sad that that's <laughs> what we have to do. You know what I mean? Like if you take a step back from yep. it, it's like the portions in America are so huge. And by the way, I even, you know, we we th- we think of New York and LA as having smaller portion sizes, but I had a Depends had on an, where you go. I had an ex who was uh who was German and her and her parents came into town and we went out we went out to Pastiz, which is a, you know, pretty pretty good upscale restaurant. And even there, they were like, "Whoa, this is so much food for one person." And I'm like, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we forget. Yeah. Like it's so it's so weird what we've done here. We've no, made you're right. food so cheap. Where you're right. It's like, you're right.
0: Well, it's, you, it, it it's subsidized. That's why.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, but it's it's yeah. so it's so it it sounds pretentious of us to say like well food needs to be more expensive. It's like but that's true. Like we shouldn't be able to. It does. We shouldn't be able to afford to have meat three times a day. Like that should be a luxury.
0: No. You know. To your point. You know. You you are right. Uh, in terms of portions, as I'm thinking it really is restaurant by restaurant, not city by city, but like like one of my go-tos in LA, I love um, Kings Road Cafe right there on Beverly mm-hmm. and I love their food. I love their coffee, but like I'll get their chicken sandwich and I have not eaten an entire chicken sandwich that that I bought there in years and I and I, I don't even finish half the fries. Like I eat a fourth of the fries and half the sandwich and I'm stuck. So, yeah, you know, to your point, I think that, Americans equate value with more, right? Yes. More for your money, more this, more that. More is the central theme of being an American. Well, I can get more. I can make more. I can eat more. My house can have more square footage. My yard can be bigger. That's how we're programmed. Quantity. And I understand quantity. I understand, uh, the, I understand to an extent what that is. Like, I, I mean, look, from age 14 or 12 until 22, my 10 years in living in the Midwest, when I'm a broke high school college kid, we chose where we'd go have breakfast or lunch as college kids based on, all right, guys, should we go to, you know, should we go to Perkins or should we go to uh, the Village Inn? Mm-hmm. Uh, Perkins is going to give you, their portions are bigger for the same. All right, we're right. going to Perkins. And that's right. how we made our, because we could consume 9 million calories in one sitting. Um, as I get older, I almost am like, no, I'll pay you to give me less.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, I know, Here's more. True.
0: Give me less because <laughs> I don't need it on my plate because it causes me food stress and I don't need it and I'm trying to be healthy and like, like you know, I'm just trying to be healthy, man. I'm trying to be healthy.
1: And you don't want to be, and you also, you also don't want to be wasteful. You know, I feel bad when I go no. to a restaurant and I, I eat half the dish and I'm full and then I'm like, well, I don't want any more. And they're like, oh, and I, in my head, I, I hear my mom being like, there are people in of Africa course. starving. I
0: know. I know. My mom said the same thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I I feel like this this might be a little long-winded, but I got contacted by um, your publicist, I believe. And she she was telling me that you came out with this drink called Mad Tasty. It's a drink with CBD in it, which... I'll tell you the truth is not my thing. I, it's not my thing. Yep. But I was like, I was like, you know what? Send it over. Let's see. Let's see what's going on. Now, during quarantine, I feel like I've really upped my drinking. I'll drink like two to three glasses of wine a night, and I feel like everyone is up there drinking, right? A lot of people. And I was just like, man, I'm drinking too much. And I, I haven't smoked weed in a couple of years because I feel like my brain just it get, it turns into mush the next day. So yep. I I can't really I can't really smoke weed. So one night I was't I, I, hadn't, I hadn't touched your drink, and I was out of wine, and I was like, "Let me have this see how it feels." Dude, it it hit the spot in terms of just like calming down the brain a little bit at the end of, the, of a stressful day, and it's like, what? It's just like a handful of calories and i was like oh i see i see i see the purpose of this drink now <laughs> and it's, yep. and it, and the next day i felt fine it doesn't really it doesn't really it doesn't get you high that's for sure but it just kind of takes things down a notch it's like your yep. your body takes a huge deep breath and you're just like i don't know i really i i I I I didn't want to enjoy it. I was like, oh, this is like one of those gimmicky things. But man, I really loved it, and it has a and it tastes great. It tastes like like Lacroix, but like with a little chill out in it.
0: Yes, yes, I, I'd say it's a pretty pretty good um, Lacroix minus minus the insecticide.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, so um, is it all natural and all that stuff? Tell me about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's it's all natural. Um, you know, I I started it um shoot probably at the end of 2018 going into 19 i went to high school with um these brothers they're called the stanley brothers they started a company called charlotte's web out of um denver colorado boulder actually it's the number one cbd market share uh, in the world they own about 30 percent of the world's market on cbd and anyway i wanted a, a natural solution for stuff like uh, xanax and i don't smoke weed um and also want to drink less like everybody else so all those things kind of coalesced into hemp becoming legalized, and me experiencing first firsthand the benefits of CBD. It's like that body, your body just goes ah, like it's that relaxing vibe. Mm-hmm. You don't get high, but you feel it. It's very hard to explain the CBD experience, like to the uninitiated. You don't get high. Um, mm-hmm. You get you get a chill. It's like it's like it's mm-hmm. just awesome. I don't know what to say. Um,
1: it's like it's like you just got into a snuggie without a snuggie. Yeah,
0: there you go, a mental <laughs> snuggie. It's a snuggie for your brain.
1: Yeah. Well, look the other the other thing is like I feel like there is, I, I like the fact that you're that it's that it's your product because. There's a lot of people who have like weed brands. Who you look at them, and you're like, yeah, well, you're not really like you're not like a you're not like a hard worker. Yep. Whereas I feel like you have you have so much stuff going on, and I can I can only imagine what your day looks like. It's nuts. And I'm sure that a lot of people associate anything that you know is associated with weed with laziness and this and that. But yeah, this is something that you can yeah, you this, can is do the this and Be fucking productive and
0: correct, correct. Oh, dude, this is. This is what I drink throughout the day. This helps me with my productivity. I mean, legit, this is it, – it, it helps keep – it's hard to say, but uh, it helps keep you focused. I drink four or five of these throughout the day. It helps me drink less alcohol. It helps me drink less coffee. It helps me drink more water.
1: Well, especially during during quarantine, man. I'm telling you. Oh, because yeah. I've I've become so out of whack with, like, just Dude, like me too. drinking way too much coffee, way too much booze. And this is, me like – It's a, it's a pretty nice little sweet spot that it occupies. And yes, you guys do a lot of the good social justice stuff, but a lot of companies do that stuff and they're putting out a shitty product. Your product, I, I, regardless of the fact that like (laughs) that you guys are doing great in the world, it's fucking tastes good and it feels good. And I, I, I get sent a lot of shit and I don't promote it or whatever. And I wouldn't even say I'm promoting this. I'm just like talking about something that I, that I enjoy. So.
0: Well, I appreciate it, man.
1: I want to get to our uh, our our questions at the end of every episode that we ask every guest. Let's do it. All right, cool. So, number one, what is your earliest food memory?
0: This is so boring and generic, but it's true. Hot dogs, good old fashioned cold hot dogs. But I was gross. I would I eat them cold out of the package.
1: Hey, man. Everyone, everyone's got their journey.
0: Yeah, it's disgusting. <laughs> it's yeah, it's 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 somewhere between hot, like hot dogs and cookie crisp. I can't remember, but it's it's right one of those two.
1: What is your death row meal? So you're on death row.
0: Oh, I know, uh, I know. I've already I can already tell you. I've already thought about this.
1: I'm trying to think uh, of what de- you would be on death row for. Let's say like someone is someone's using a song of yours without them, uh, yeah. consent and yeah. You just can't yeah, take you, know, you, you you couldn't find your C B D drink that day. That's and right. you just you went off you went off the hook. <laughs>
0: uh, my death row meal would be chicken tenders from this place in uh Oklahoma called Charleston's which I would do chicken tenders I would get the curly fries from Arby's um mm. and it's funny cuz I eat really healthy but like my death row meal is not going to be healthy of course um yeah yeah no. <laughs> and I do curly fries chicken tenders a glass of batard montrachet uh, uh white burgundy wine Ooh. um and which actually funny enough would probably go good with the chicken tenders and then I would wash it down with a probably a chocolate or vanilla malt, and that would be my that would be my um, death row meal. I, there's a place in Washington D.C. in Georgetown called I think it's called Good Eats, and it won it won the international milkshake chat like uh, competition. They won gold. <laughs> Apparently that's a thing, and they, <laughs> right. they they make they're famous for their milkshakes. They're right off of M Street in Georgetown. And um or Good Eatery, I think is what it's called. Every time I go to Washington DC, which is, you know, usually a couple times a year, um, I go straight to Georgetown and I get in and I, I buy like every flavor shake they have and I have a little bit of each flavor. So I would I would fly that in to death row, which I don't think they do on death row, but I would I would ask for it.
1: <laughs> they will on your death row. That's yeah. actually yeah, that's a great death row meal. We Yeah, we've never gotten anyone say anything healthy. It's never been like, I want no. a salad with tofu.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine?
1: Yeah. No.
0: Slivered almonds and some golden raisins.
1: Yeah. No but thanks. I like yours because it's got upscale and downscale. It's got the, uh, you know, the white burger. Me. chicken tenders. Yeah, I'm getting that vibe. I like that. Yeah. So w- yeah. you're going to like our next two questions. Uh, first one is, what's the best high-end meal you've ever had? And the uh, one after that is, what's the best low-end meal you've ever had? So let's go high-end first.
0: Um, the best high-end meal, um, whoo, um, it's a tie. It's a tie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a tie between uh, French Laundry mm-hmm. uh, in, in Napa Valley, which was the number one restaurant in the world
1: for a while. Thomas Keller's place, yeah.
0: You know, I ate at Noma when it was number one in Copenhagen.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And really good but it's just like a place you eat there once don't need to go there again you know what i mean right, right um right. and i would say the tie though would be it, last summer from my birthday i was in spain for two weeks in northern spain in the basque region which is famous for their food and i went to asador extabati so it's a s a d o r and then extabati it's it's in it's in basque and it's, the num- it's currently the number three restaurant in the world, and it's in Bay, Spain, in the Basque region. And um, it was sing- it single-handedly one of the, the greatest meals of my entire life. So between that and French Laundry, I couldn't tell you which was better, but they were both like pretty much a perfect 10.
1: Yeah, Xtaberti is a fascinating restaurant. It's basically the chef, I think he used to be like a truck driver or something, and yeah. he built these wacky grills.
0: Yep, it's all about the grills. We got to tour them. We actually got to tour the, the grills and see, see their whole cooking process.
1: Yeah. And he's just like, he's apparently just like a mad scientist when it comes to the grilling and the kind of wood that he uses and the kind of beef that he gets. And I, I almost got in there and then uh, it didn't work out schedule wise. Uh, so I, it's still, it's still number one on my list.
0: I actually had to call um, one of my, my friends is an architect. He's from um, Bilbao and his best friend is, is Basque. So, and lives in San Sebastian. So I, he had to call him and he, cause he called in to get an order and they said no. And it's for my birthday. We traveled all the way from the States. We called months and months and months in advance. They said, no, no way, no way. He tried for two, three months. No way, no way, no way. He calls his friend who speaks Basque. And had right. had his best friend call immediately. We get a reservation.
1: Yeah, there's it's so funny. There's like a there's like an acceptable racism <laughs> when it comes to food reservations in other countries. Mm-hmm. Like I yeah, went to uh, yeah. I was in Tokyo and I and there was a sushi place. Jiro. That no, it wasn't Jiro, but it was another oh, okay. guy who's like he's one of the top ones. And I was with my girlfriend at the time, and we we kept calling and we would just say hello, please, and they would just hang up when they heard English. Yep.
0: <laughs> Of course. Of course.
1: And so we showed up and like, they just like, I opened the door and they looked at me like I was an alien. They're like, no, 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 no.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you want to go to, um, to next time you're in, uh, in, in um, Japan, in Tokyo, it's hard to get a reservation. You have to stand in line in the morning to get a ticket for lunch in the afternoon, but it's called Suta, T S U T A. And it's Suta ramen. And it's the only, it's the first and only ramen shop in the world to get a Michelin star. And it is (laughs) Five dollars. <laughs> hmm. Which is incredible. And I've actually the cheapest, fanciest meal I've had, I've eaten at the at the cheapest Michelin star restaurant in the world. It's in Singapore. In the um, Oh, the chicken place. The chicken place, yep. I've been there three times actually. It's really, really good. Wow.
1: Yeah, I that's always go fantastic. there.
0: Any anytime I'm in Singapore, I go there.
1: That that place looks pretty amazing. The fact that you can get yeah. a Michelin star meal for under five bucks is insane.
0: It's 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 wild. that's yeah, why I'd say the 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 best
1: you said well, the least fancy. Yeah, meal? would that would that be your best low end meal? No, that,
0: that no. The best the best low end meal I've ever had. Um, it's the place I talked about earlier in the podcast. I went to the place in Bangkok that invented um, pad Thai, pad Thai Ooh. noodles. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's called. You know what? I, I had it saved somewhere. I can't remember the name. It's not. It doesn't have the name. I think it. I actually think it does have the name. Oh yeah, that's it. Pad Thai Tipsamai. That's it. T-H-I-P-S-A-M-A-I. Pad Thai Fit Samai, which is in Bangkok. It is a street vendor that cart that turned into like an open-air indoor place. There's a line down the street seven nights a week. The meal is the freshest, greatest pad thai on earth. Well they I mean she, you know, she and her family invented it. And it is $2.99. It's oh, $2.99. We, when we converted it, that's, by the way, that's with a Thai beer. So you get the entire meal <laughs> like and, and a beer for $2.99.
1: Dude, why aren't we all living in Thailand? I don't understand. Yeah. It's yeah. unbelievable. It's pretty,
0: pretty fantastic.
1: I don't know how much of a drinker you are, but do you have a favorite drunk food?
0: Uh, My favorite drunk food would be for sure. Like I associate being drunk with obviously being on tour. Uh, um, yeah. And I would say the go-to drunken food on tour the best country in the world for drunkenness is germany at night and um they do two things at night you can get you can get a um danner kebab uh i'm mispronouncing it but donner kebab you can get a donner kebab kind of anywhere that might be one of the greatest uh drunk meals of all time um and currywurst which is, was yes. invented to be a drunken food and you eat it with toothpicks. And if you've not been to Germany, you probably don't know what currywurst is, but it is the most delicious drunk food of all time. And that would be my number one.
1: Those are two interesting things to choose because the, the <clears throat> prevalence of doner kebabs in Germany is because of their they have like a big Turkish population in yeah, Germany. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the currywurst, I'm not sure how the curry made its way into the sausage, but I'm sure it's a similar type of story
0: same type of deals. So I, I actually watched this special on the history of currywurst, which is funny, but it um, yeah, it's just it's all immigration, right? It's like yeah. how did um how did Mexico City end up with Paco, tacos al pastor, right? Where you're shaving the beef from a rotating spit. That's not Mexican. You know, right. that,
1: that it was like Lebanese it, it, or it, Syrian.
0: Yeah, it's right? Lebanese. Yeah, it's it's yeah. Lebanon. There were, there, were, there were refugees that came over in the 30s uh, from Lebanon to different cities in Mexico and they invented the ro- the rotating spit. And they initially did it with lamb, and um, and then it, the Mexico took the rotating spit and just made it uh, beef instead of lamb. They made it steak, um, or pork well, and yeah, pork that's, actually, and yeah.
1: Do you have a favorite hangover cure when you're on tour?
0: Um, hangover cure, uh, yeah. In the morning, I try not to. I mean, it's going to sound lame. I just try not to get drunk anymore to the point where I have a hangover because it's just like they're just the older you get, the more devastating they are. And on tour, yeah. they're really bad. So <laughs> yeah. I, I, um. Uh, to leave, you don't want to do Tylenol. You want to be careful you're not doing acetaminophen or whatever. You want to, you want to stick to alleve if you can find it. So I always travel with leave. I'll do two Aleve, a bunch of water. Um, I, if, if I have Mad Tasty on me, I, I will slam a Mad Tasty because CBD alleves the headache. It's an anti inflammatory, and your headache is coming from inflammation from the alcohol you drink. So Interesting. CBD, ca- CBD counter. But we're actually about to introduce this is one thing I got to plug. We're introducing immunity slash wellness shots. And October 1st, we're going to roll them out. We have two flavors. We've spent eight months developing the flavors. So they, they taste better than Veve Organic, all the wellness shots in the world. These things taste better than them. And they have 50 milligrams of CBD and you will feel that in a shot. I promise you it's a two ounce shot. Wow. We have hundred percent daily vitamins, vitamin C. Um, and we have the two main active ingredients in Tamiflu are in this shot. So it's an actual at antiviral immunity a uh, massive immunity booster. It's an antiviral shot um, with CBD. You're
1: you're on you're on blast. All you other wellness shots. You're about to go and down. I'm <laughs>
0: so we're we're rolling those out. So I would definitely. Do, I mean, to be honest, if I have a hangover and I'm in the states and I have access to like those wellness shots, immunity boosters, like I'll go find a Jamba juice and slam some green juice. Um, but really, it's water and uh, lots of water and two a leave, and I'll do. Um, I'll try to go for a long run because yeah. you know, sweating it out has always worked for me. I mean, like I tr- truth, truthfully a long run where it's hot and you're just sweating, that's about the best cure for a hangover that there is other than yeah. like sitting for and watching Netflix for 8 hours. You know, that that also helps.
1: That is a good one too. That is a good one too. Um <laughs> So, who is your favorite celebrity chef? So, this could be a food personality like yeah. a Roy Choi or like a Bourdain. Um, or...
0: David Chang. David Chang.
1: Yeah. Yeah, David Chang. Momofuku. Yeah, he's. Uh, have you been to his place in L.A.? I
0: have. Yeah, I've been to his place in L.A. Um, and he and I got to know each other at a at, a, at an event a, a couple of years ago and became Instagram friends. So, and he's just I just love his sense of humor. I love his show, uh, Ugly Ugly Delicious. I love his. Yeah is cooking. Um, and, uh, I went to major Domo. I've been there probably two or three times here in LA. Uh, and yeah, I just like him. I like that. He's such a fan of other chefs and supporting chefs and chef culture and food culture. And he wants to learn about the history of everything. And, um, yeah, we're just like-minded in certain, our approaches to certain things. So I, I like him a lot. I also love Thomas Keller. I've gotten to know him, uh, you know, through some mutual friends over the last few years and Thomas is super nice and kind and effusive and and uh,
1: and just a great guy. I got to say, one of my biggest quarantine watches I've been doing is I got I got Masterclass, the Masterclass oh, yeah, uh, series for sure. Dude, his and I cook a lot, like I I'm a, I'm yep. a pretty good cook, but man, I watching his Master Chef stuff, it's like yep. it's so first of all soothing, like he's got such a comf- yeah like a comforting. <laughs> yeah, he does disposition but he also just the the respect that he gives to the food and the way he talks about the food and the way he cooks it like you, he really really respects and loves food and it's just it's one of the best cooking like teaching series i think i've ever watched is his master class
0: oh yeah for He's sure good. and he i made pasta actually about two weeks ago and i make i'm i make homemade pasta all the time i have mm. a pasta machine you know i roll it out i do that i Fortunately, at this point, most things I can make without a recipe, which was my goal from the beginning. Um, yeah. But, but um, I make his pasta recipe. It is the biggest pain in the ass of any dish in the world. I make his sweet potato uh, um, andulotti or I or I'll also make it uh, the ravioli style. So this two weeks ago, I made the ravioli, sweet potato and brown butter ravioli with crispy sage and And it is in a in a sage cream sauce. It is it's in his um French laundry cookbook. I highly recommend it. yeah, one I would I would do it if it, you know, if you like cooking and you want a challenge, but but you but you want one of the best meals you've ever had, make it this weekend. you can find it on the internet. and but start it, like make the pasta at le- legitimately have the pasta made by three pm and then start mm. the prep for for all the other crap immediately after that. like start doing. Get the potatoes in, let them cook, make the pasta while they're cooking. And then, you know, if you want to be eating by like 7 p.m., you need to start at like, you need to start at probably like 2.33. Like for sure. It's just, it yeah. is, his stuff is so fastidious. It's so detail oriented. And and I just, I don't skip any steps. I do everything the way he says to do it. And it always turns out I'm, amazing.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think he also, he has one of the biggest ratios of, Egg yolks to flour of any pasta recipe I've ever seen. Like he,
0: really he does. Yes, he does. Shoves them in there. <laughs> but yeah, he does it. He does a shit ton of eggs, man. He really does.
1: What is your desert island food? So you're trapped on a desert island. There's one thing you can eat for the rest of your life. What is it going to be?
0: Hmm. I'd say this might be cheating, but this is so I get all the ingredients that I need, and 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 I don't die from malnourishment or anything. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, it, I would do, um, I would do stir fry like for the rest of my life. I would do stir fry.
1: Oh, that's good. I would, that's a good one.
0: Because you know what I mean? Because you kind of get, you get vegetables, you get rice, you get carbohydrates, you get flavor, you get all that. Like if somehow I had the ability to make stir fry and un, an endless supply of stir fry, I would do stir fry or pancit canton, the Filipino noodle dish, which is the noodle version basically of stir fry. Like I would do oh, cool. something like that. Cause you can, it would sustain you for forever.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. I like that.
0: And it, tastes, and it tastes good.
1: So this is my favorite question. What is your restaurant pet peeve?
0: I was a server for five, six years and I, I thought I was a damn good one. So I have definitely have my, my pet peeves. Um, I mean, it, off, off the bat, um, anything more than two minutes, uh, leaving a table for more than two minutes, three minutes without acknowledging them or coming and introducing yourself, that's, that's annoying. That's that's mm. a big pet peeve.
1: Um, Got
0: it. I think that um, over over uh, an overabundance of interaction is a, a big no no. I'm I go from being incredibly effusive and warm and talking when I was a waiter and let you know just put people's guard down and like how can I help you and like it like rattle off the menu at the top of my head. But the moment they place their order, I'm a ghost. Yeah. Like it is. It's about them eating. I am a ghost if I could hide behind a sheet I would so I would zip in and out I'm not lingering i'm not asking <clears throat> I'm just like intuitively figuring out does this person people give you know they give you telltale signs they're looking around the room you know all these things oh they probably need a napkin or they 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 they, they didn't get their water and like like intuitive like really dense over talkative waiters that's that's a huge pet peeve of mine
1: yeah, um, same.
0: probably one one of my uh, bigger irritants that seems to be happening to me a lot lately uh not lately pre-covid is when i've had the meal we've done everything and the and the wait and we've we're just waiting on the bill we've had a lot of like i had like a few instances in a row where I, i swear to god it was 30 minutes 30 minutes after we were done and we can't find our waiter a lot of shift changeover and a lot of crap happens at restaurants and like you get into it later into the meal and you just can't find the waiter. And you're like, I'm just trying to pay to get out of here. The amount of times I've had to get up at even the nicest restaurants and walk around holding up my MX being like, will anyone take my money? Like (laughs) I'm just trying to get out of here. That's a huge pet peeve of mine.
1: Yeah. That's Um, a good one.
0: Yeah. So I would say all those, and everybody's going to say a dirty bathroom. That's, that's rule number one. Dirty bathroom is, is, uh, is, is that, that'll, that'll kill a restaurant. Um, It's all service, you know, if the food pet peeves, of course, everyone has the obvious overcooked steak, undercooked, under undercooked fish. Like, you know, like whatever it is, the food stuff is obvious. I, it, to me, it's all about this. It's all about the service. It's all about the service. What and if, you you're feel pl- like- if you're playing music too loud, I hate that shit too. Like, oh, especially in Vegas works. when they're bla- blasting like German disco and uh. in a really nice restaurant, <laughs> like when I, your music, the, the music volume level should, should be, Uh, correlated with the menu pricing the higher the menu the lower the volume
1: (laughs) right have you ever gone to a restaurant you've been recognized and then they put your music on and you just want to fucking punch someone in the face
0: (laughs) oh no it's happened a
1: lot has it really
0: oh yeah oh yeah
1: oh my god i can't imagine that would that must drive you crazy
0: i do not like that
1: (laughs) not a fan Uh, do you feel like your service gets better or worse if you're recognized
0: um, it just gets weirder. It just gets right. weirder. It, it gets, you might get a free meal or free dessert or free drink. And it just gets awkward. Cause then there's always an expectation. Like we'd like to buy you this, but like at the end, the, the, the servers would all like to come out from the kitchen and take a photo. It happens a lot right. more overseas when you're in, countries, oh, like the Philippi- when you're in the countries like the Philippines, the Philippines don't have any, they're the nicest people in the world. They're like innately the nicest human beings in the world. But they also like the what what would be considered socially acceptable um, if you're dealing with a celebrity of any kind. They don't have those rules. So like having an entire kitchen staff stop cooking food, stop what they're doing, leave the kitchen, rush the floor while in the middle of service to (laughs) surround a table and take photos. That is not off. That is not off the menu for them. They will totally do that. It's happened to us many times. Um, It depends on the country. It depends on where you are. But um, you know, in America, it doesn't happen as often.
1: That is very funny. So uh, two more questions. What is is yeah. there a food that you can't stand eating, that you just hate?
0: Um, I have, everybody that knows me knows I have like, my, my five things. And no matter how I've tried and how many times I've tried them, I detest them for like, innumerable reasons. Um, I absolutely love cheese. I absolutely detest goat cheese. Um, really? the only kind, the only kind of goat cheese I can physically swallow is, is, um, manchego for some reason, the way that they treat manchego, it's a different, it's harder. It's whatever.
1: Well, it's goat harder. Chee- yeah.
0: I, I, and the flavor is different with manchego goat cheese. Um, the smell, flavor, texture. I, I feel like I'm eating sickness. Like, I don't know how else to put it. It it, it feels like everything about it is wrong. It's like you take good cheese and it goes bad. And, um, it's just a flavor that my body, my taste buds cannot get around. So if anything has like chevra or, 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 or goat cheese or feta, feta is a little more tolerable and, you know, in small quantities. Um, But if it's a goat cheese, like listed in the ingredients, um, I'm, you know, I'm not eating it or I'm asking him to take it out. Um, And it's not like I hate these things and I, and I, and I, I wish that I didn't, I wish that I loved it. I goat cheese. People that love goat cheese, it's fabulous. I wish that I loved it because there's so many dishes that have it. Um, I just wish I loved it. Um, I hate it. So goat cheese, I hate uh, cantaloupe. is repugnant to me. Um, it's oh so weird. I can God. eat. I can eat honeydew. I can eat watermelon. Cantaloupe, the smell and the taste also taste like something. For me, it, it's my taste buds. It tastes. It tastes rotten. It tastes like it's a rotten like, like funky, like shoe foot. Like it just <laughs> grosses me out. So I hate cantaloupe. <clears throat> I I'm really weird with cucumber. Um, I like cucumber water. Um, I like the smell of cucumber. Um, I can eat a Greek salad and crush the cucumber. I love it. I don't like adding cucumber to any dishes because uh. cucumber is this weird fruit, uh, vegetable, whatever it is. Cucumber, when it's in a sandwich, when it's in a dish, it overpowers everything around it. And something about the note in cucumber, at least how my taste buds process it, all I can taste is cucumber if it's added to a dish. So like, like especially overseas, club sandwiches, not, not in America, but overseas, you order a club sandwich, there is cucumber on it. They put it on everything. Uh, Australia, cucumbers on every hamburger. Um, Interesting. Yeah, and so I have. I'm constantly requesting no, cu- no cucumber, no cucumber, no cucumber. Um, so yeah, I hate cucumber, and I love it. I love it if I'm eating it, like just by itself. If it's in a Greek salad, I don't like adding it to things because I think it's a, it's a, it's a flavor hog, and it just, it just takes, makes everything around it. If you set a glass of water in a refrigerator, this is true, next to a cucumber, overnight, the next day, the water will taste like cucumber. It's a very like, it. Whatever that term is, it's like it osmosis. It really transfers yeah, the like like flavor <laughs> to anything. It's a little flavor um, amoeba. And then the very last, um, uh, I'm trying to think. There's there's one other. Now I'm spacing on it. There's one other thing. Eggplant. I don't like eggplant.
1: Oh my go. god, man, yeah. Ryan. I thought we were like kindred spirits until until this part of the the interview. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to make That's a it. salad with all four of those things in it.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't I hate eggplant um because I think Dude, it's what? like a and baba it, it, ghanoush it's, it's 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 just mush I eggplant I hate because of the texture um I think the only way that I'll eat eggplant is in a ratatouille like mm. in a ratatouille if it's if it's melded with all the other vegetables I'll eat it but eggplant like fried eggplant um eggplant parmesan it's it, eggplant is mush it just no matter how you cook it or what you try to do to it, the damn thing turns into like a uh, vegetable pudding. And I just, I hate the texture of it. So if it had, a, if it, if it had like an to amazing apologize flavor. To
1: all the listeners. Let's, I'd like to apologize to all the listeners. Um, the uh, you eggplant, love eggplant lovers. We all love eggplant. Everyone loves eggplant. Come on, man. No, what about like sorry. baba ganoush? No, no baba ganoush for you?
0: No, man. I love Middle Eastern like tapas, <laughs> but that's that's the one I don't really get down with. I just, I don't know. <laughs> You know, the other thing is, I don't love the color purple. It's my least favorite color. So that might have something to do with
1: (laughs) it. Oh, man. These are good pet peeves. By the way, you should make a cucumber flavored Mad Tasty. I think that would be awesome. It would go off. Yeah, that'd be a good one. All right. Are you ready for your last question? Last one. What is the first restaurant that you will go to after quarantine?
0: First restaurant I will go to after quarantine will probably be Ebaldi in Beverly Hills.
1: Ebaldi. Old school Italian. Ebaldi.
0: Yep, you got it.
1: Yeah, I'm it's simple. all about comfort food, man. I'm with that's you. That's right. Yep, that's where I'll go. Ryan, thank <laughs> you so much for your time. This has been awesome, thank man. I, I love awesome. meeting artists who are huge foodies. Uh, tell everyone where they can find you before you got to run.
0: You can find me, I mean, well, on Instagram, obviously, at Ryan Tedder, um, or at OneRepublic, or just do both. And then I'm on Songland on NBC. My beverage is at Mad Tasty. At Mad Tasty. We've got it's some new so wellness shots and all kinds of tasty crispy beverages hit us up
1: ryan thank you so much this has really been been a pleasure all right right, take care this episode of green eggs and dan was produced by andrew stephen executive produced by jeff umbro and the podglomerate you can find more of their podcasts at thepodglomerate.com The theme music is Beautiful Food by Idan, and interstitial music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. If you like this show, please tell a friend, share an episode, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.